Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 1, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 159, paragraph 3. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Janice B. The 12 Traditions, Diane G. And reading the text today for us is Janice M., Martha Z., and Sarah W. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, August 31st, 2015, is 7959. 7959. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. in Vermont, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, As the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Janice B. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Recovered, not cured, compulsive, overeater. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you pardon me that this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 159. Paragraph 3, and I will ask Janice M. to begin our study today. Well, good morning, Melanie C., and good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. A year and six months later, these three had succeeded with seven more. Seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed at someone's home did not, um, did not shelter a little gathering of men and women happy and their release, and constantly thinking how they may present their discovery to some newcomer. 
In addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. Aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. Okay, um, let me put my timer on. Yes, this is a, a great piece of history. You know, history repeats itself, and this is God's vision for us. And this is happening today, especially, you know, and I know I can, you know, my our group here at the Vision for You. Um, you know, don't forget, at this time, they didn't have the book. So, you know, progress and, and recovery was at a snail pace until the, the book was written. So they had seven. Started with one, though. Starts with one recovered alcoholic or compulsive overeater, and then it went to two, then it went to three, as we know, and then it grew. It grew. And just like Vision for You, how the fellowship is growing and has grown from, you know, two or three years ago when only there was 35 to 50, and now it's over 300 and thousands on the on the um, the phone list, but I'm going to just comment on aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. So that's the purpose. The purpose is to learn a spiritual way of life. Now that was quite different for me when I came into OA. I, I was. I didn't want a spiritual life. I wanted to lose weight. Um, but that's not the purpose of our program. It, it doesn't say <clears throat> um, to find a good food plan or to find how to eat uh, safely, you know, these, these substances that create the phenomenon of craving. It doesn't tell us that. Aside from fellowship, we're new people to learn a spiritual way of life, which means that we have all one solution. And that solution for us, me is the most important thing in our life today is the presence of a higher power see my life was still unmanageable when i was um when i was thin when i lost my weight i i couldn't stand it i was still irritable i was discontented you know i, I you know because of why because i still couldn't manage my life without finding a power greater than myself and that was through the 12 steps you know it worked in 1935 and it's still working today because it's not an outside issue. It's an internal. It's an internal condition of me. Um, and through these steps, you know, I found the power, whom I choose to call God, that would take away the obsession. So if I, the obsession was taken away for one day, then I wouldn't have to go to pick up the allergy that would start the phenomenon of craving. So, um, yeah, uh, this, is, this is the spiritual life. And the one solution, I always had one solution, and that was to be comforted with food. But today, it's, there's a God in my life that I don't have to. Um, I'm not driven to that compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Who would like to comment on this paragraph today? This is Larry. Good morning, Larry. Does anyone else like to comment? Paula D. Paula D. Anybody Chrissy? else? Chrissy M. Hi, Chrissy. 
Christian. Good morning. I have you. Good morning. Well, let's begin with Larry Kay. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melanie. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader. So, you know, they were happy in their release and constantly thinking of how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. You know, the big book informs us that, you know, of course, uh, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. You know, it works when other activities fail. So, you know, these early pioneers of this fellowship carried the message of hope to to other uh, sufferers of this disease. And, you know, they, they didn't moralize. They didn't lecture. You know, they got together. They simply shared enough about their own you know, drinking experience to enable the person to identify with it, perhaps become comfortable in, in talking about their own experience. And, you know, I think like for me, I, I tell people that I, I didn't arrive to OA on some magnificent uh, winning streak where, where my life was just tremendous. Um, few people do, you know. No, I, I tell them how baffled I was, you know, how I finally learned that I was sick how I was bankrupt spiritually, emotionally, physically, and how that strange mental twist always pulled me back into the abyss. And you see these, these men and women offered a way out uh, uh, just as we were. And there's nothing so precious as an offer of hope. And my work with others isn't charity work. <laughs> you know, as the big book instructs me, I, I let the person know that it's important that they realize that my attempt you know, to, to, to pass the solution on to them plays a vital part in my own recovery. And truth be told, he may be helping me more than I'm helping him. And that's, you know, absolutely true. And I, I was never able to see the insanity and irrationality of my past uh, eating career as, as when I saw it in another who was still enslaved and owned by this disease. You know, for instance, every time... I see the denial of a person who's presently being, you know, annihilated, beaten up by this spiritual malady, you know, I'm reminded of its inherent power. And conversely, every time I, I get on this line, for example, uh, I, I'm also reminded of the hope that rests in this psychic change as the result of these steps. And um, that's what I see in this paragraph is that, uh, you know, these, these folks began to get together. And, they, they, you know, if they were interested in a spiritual way of life, like Janice, I didn't come to, to have any spiritual awakening. But um, we see that, you know, that this, perhaps this was the start of open meetings, too, you know, because this, this solution can be helpful to anybody. And uh, thank God for, for Alcoholics Anonymous, because it, it certainly saved my life. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Paula D. And thank you, Melanie. Uh, only one share, but look at how powerful that was. And here I follow. My name is Paula D. I am compulsive of you to recover today with the grace of God. And as we read this, uh, and oh boy, so much. You know, it says ten. I mean, seven more had been added to three. That was the first sentence. And this is a year and six months. She doesn't sound like much, does it? Can you hear it, though? Ten men whose lives were changed you know no man is an island. We all know that. It's just not them. It's where they lived. It's their home. It's their family. It's their work. Everywhere they go, and look at what they said. Scarce an evening passed. 
that these ten, that someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women, happy in their release. And may I say, we coming from the paragraph that we just read, it was transcended, sober they were, by the happiness they found in giving themselves to others. They gave themselves to each other, and they wanted to include more constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. Now you have the power of ten, but behind each one you have the power of God. That's what they're saying here. In addition to these casual get-togethers, really casual, life-changing, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. No one was excluded. No one. Aside from the fellowship and sociability, the prime object, here we go again, was to provide a time and a place where new people might bring their problems. At first I read that and I said, really bring their problems? Well, what do you think they were bringing? They were bringing their problems. They were bringing their broken lives, their wounds, And there the word shelter comes again into play. To be helpful is our only aim. And then we see what is provided here, a spiritual way of life. We see it in every word that was written, every life that was changed. And thank you for allowing me the time to share what I saw here and what we saw here in the big book, Ten Men. Thank you again. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Christy M. Hi, I'm Christy M., a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And uh, I, I have been going, I have been going to meetings for a very long time. And this, this paragraph just spoke to me because there is some, there, sometimes I hear some grumblings about bringing problems to meetings and, and you know, not hearing recovery but hearing people's pain. And and I have to say that I, I part of my spiritual awakening has, has been to be able to tolerate my own pain and the pain of other people when, when I hear it and, and not to want to just live in, you know, the, live in the, experience strength and hope and in the pink cloud and there is there is pain when it comes to life and and this program has taught me to process my my pain and and I can teach other people through spiritual principles how to process their pain and to recover to get comfort and ease from the power of these steps particularly the working steps and and then when I am in a spiritual awakening to be able to uplift other people. And I love that in in a meeting at any given time, someone could be in a better place than someone else and just carry them. And then the next week it could be somebody else's turn to be the one who carries their brother or sister who's having a hard time. And it's just it just works. It's just such a beautiful humbling process and it's it it's for me my kids sometimes ask me because they see my face thank god and they say mom how could you believe so strongly all the time 
and I said, if you saw the miracles that I see in the program of recovery every day, you couldn't deny that there is a God. So I just feel very blessed that I could see people come in and be transformed, and and I'm I'm just so grateful for those beginning people and and what what they really the legacy they left us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy M. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? I hear Renata, I hear Rakefa, I hear Reviva. Julie R. Julie R. Okay, let's hold on just one moment, please. I have Renata G, Rakefa Z, Reva P, Nessa R, and Julie R. Let's go with that, please, for now. Thank you. Good morning, Renata. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Grateful, recovered, compulsive from New York. Um, I want to focus on it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. Aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. And so, you know, it's the start of, you know, the AA meetings here, and, you know, it says very clear, right, aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and a place where new people might bring their problems. And what were the, you know, what were my problems? What were the problems that brought me into the room? that I was powerless over food, and I could not manage my own life. You know, therefore, you know, I had a spiritual malady, and that's why I needed to start going to meetings and learn about the spiritual solution. Of course, like everyone else, you know, that mentioned it, like I didn't come to this program to have a spiritual awakening. I came to lose the weight. But, um, you know, thank God by finding a vision for you, I could really understand and learn the truth about my disease, that it's not just a weight problem. I have a spiritual malady, and I need a spiritual solution for it. And the spiritual solution that this program offered me was, you know, the 12 steps. And it was. So, like, the focus of meetings did not, like, you know, oh, my dog died or my mom's sick or whatever, you know, going on a day-to-day life. Like the focus, you know, of a meeting needs to be on the solution, the solution for a spiritual malady. And so today as a recovered woman, it is my job to carry a message of hope, to carry a message that there is a solution for compulsive reading through the work of the self-test. And uh, that's what I try to do when I go to my local meetings now, you know, keep the focus in, on the big book. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Renata G. Rakefet Z. Um, thank you, Melanie. This is Rakefet Z, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And I'm always touched by this paragraph when we read it. It's very touching to me because it shows me, depicts how much this is a we program. It's not an I program, it's a we program because they didn't have outreach calls in those days. The telephone network was very limited. Uh, Many people didn't even have telephones. So 
Instead, they had to get together almost every night, almost every night, and they did because they needed each other. They needed those outreach. And, you know, Bill W., if he, he couldn't do this in isolation, he could not do this program in isolation, and he was aware of that. If he hadn't found Dr. Bob or another fellow to pass it on to, there's a good chance he would have drank again because it's just too hard to do it by yourself. I, I, I imagine there's people that do this in isolation on their own without any help from anyone, but I just can't imagine that. I need the, I need everyone that's on the line. I really do. I need to be able to make phone calls. I need to talk about my problems and my you know, my spirituality and how to approach my problems spiritually instead of turning to the food. I need all that. And they needed that. That's why they got together almost every night. They needed that too. They needed to um, interact with other people that were just like them, just like them, and they knew it. And I need to interact with people that are just like me. Those are the only people. You are the only people that really get me. And you are really the only people I can be so truthful with about my disease. You know, normal eaters don't understand it. And so I can't really share too much about it because they they get repulsed by the things I did. And they don't understand them for sure. So I am just so grateful that they went to any length to get together every night and share, share what was in their lives going on. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rakefit Z. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., recovered compulsive overeater, now in Montreal visiting my family. Uh, I wanted to share on two main things here. Uh, first of all, a time and place where we bring our problems. For me, what that reminds me is we all have different problems. Um, and we all have different things at different phases of our lives, but there is one common solution, and that is the spiritual way of life and finding a power greater than myself, whether it's a he, she, it, um, or whatever it is. And, you know, yesterday was a really challenging day, and we're dealing with different things with my mom relocating, and um, I can do pros and cons, I can try to figure things out, um, but that doesn't work. Um, It just doesn't work anymore. It's broken, just like uh, my barometer with food was broken. Um, And the only thing that works is asking a power greater than myself, what is the next right thing, Um, and trusting that that power will be taking care of all of us, including my mom. And the other thing I wanted to share on was happy in their release. Release, which reminds me the prison and shackles. Um, I was like in my own self-constructed prison with the food and could not find a way out no matter how smart or analytical I was. And it's not just a release from the food or wanting to pick up um, or recoiling like from a hot flame. It's not even wanting to pick up. And then even deeper, you know, once that freedom and release comes with the food. It's the release from fear, the release from terror. Um, you know, what's going to happen to my mother? I have to figure this out. It's just not the way my life works anymore. Um, and release from anger. Like, there's no, um, 
there's no description of, you know, how I was suffering, not just the food, but all the negative, all those blocks, all the stuff that gets cleared out in four through nine and happy, which reminds me, you know, we are happy, joyous and free. We're not a glum lot. We do the work. It takes work, but we get happy, joyous and free, which I never in my wildest dreams knew what that was before. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Nessa R. Hi, good morning. I forgot who I was following. So, uh, I was just unmuting. Uh, my name is Nessa R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, now uh, happily and gratefully back in Toronto, Canada. And like others um, who have shared before me, um, this phrase really, really um, struck me, you know, happy in their relief. Um, and it's followed by, by the conjunction and, and constantly thinking how they might present the recovery to some newcomer. Um, it just tells me that, that the, the, not only the need, but the desire to pass along what has been passed along to us comes automatically with recovery. Uh, it tells me that it is not possible to be transformed through this program and not want to give it on to others um, because the transformation means that I'm no longer thinking solely about myself. The transformation means that Nessa is not the center of Nessa's universe anymore that I am more focused on what does God want from me right now. And what God wants from me right now is to help others. And so by whatever means, by, by going to meetings, telephone meetings, live, you know, face-to-face meetings, working one-on-one with, uh, with sponsors, you know, what, whichever, whichever way it is, you know, um, I, um, part of my job is to find a way to pass on what I have to other to other compulsive overeaters who have not yet found um, the the recovery, the transformation. When I when I'm asked to speak at a meeting, I invariably talk about my journey or relapse because I I find that that is the most common experience um, in the rooms. I mean, very few people come and get it and never look back. And um, you know, I, I just share how. What I found, what works for me, um, are the simple uh, instructions that are contained in this book. You know, this is what works for me. And I cannot keep quiet, I cannot keep quiet about it. I, I have to share it. You know, that it automatically follows that if I am happy in my release, if I am happy in my release from the shackles of addiction, from the shackles of the food obsession, from the shackles of my self-centeredness, then of course I'm, wanna, I'm gonna wanna focus on others and, and pass this, this beautiful message of recovery on. And um, with that I pass, thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Julie R. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Um, a couple things, you know, jump out at me. One is that scarce an evening passed at someone's home did not shelter a little gathering. 
you know, back then they didn't have, you know, smartphones and stuff like that. But I look at that as when I call people, I call a newcomer or I call another recovered fellow and to discuss, you know, where I am in my program and to offer a newcomer um, some experience, strength, and hope. I do that every day because I need to stay connected for me. And it helps them also. But another one is about the happy and their release. You know, release from what? Yeah, my morbid obesity, for sure. But the the chains that bound me from my ego, my manipulation, my dishonesty, you know, out of control spending, all of that, you know, the release meaning that I am not controlled by that anymore, that I have a God, my creator, has granted me grace and freedom from that on a daily basis as long as I do the work. And when we show someone by our example of how we live, a newcomer who, you know, is underweight, overweight, morbid obesity, whatever, and they see that we have changed from the inside out and from the outside in, you know, it's a win-win situation. So, yeah, the release, release from that hell. You know, I, I'm no longer in in the front of, or the back of the gates of hell. I'm in front of them going the other way It's because of this program. So, you know, I, I have an obligation for the newcomer to be an example of, of what this program can do in the transformation. I don't have a choice. You know, I, I need to pick up that phone because this is what we do. And Dr. Bob was, is, is one of the two people I want to meet if there is an afterlife, is Dr. Bob, because he was so into helping that next newcomer. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Sally. Oh, hi, Sally. Okay, anyone else? Lonnie T. Melissa C. Melissa. Jill T. Jill T. Let's go with that, please. Thank you. And then we'll move on. Sally A. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally A in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive eater. And um, I wanted to speak to um, these first sentences of this paragraph that are just precious. A year and six months later, that's a long time, these three had succeeded with seven more. That's not a lot of people. Seven more. That means there were three and now there were ten. Seeing much of each other scarce and eating past that someone home, someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women happy in their release and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. And so, first of all, this reminds me of the bottom of page XVII in the big book, the very beginning in the forward to the second edition. At the bottom of the page it says, the flying blind period ended. And AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time with the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. And this is really an exciting thing. We're seeing here a picture, a snapshot picture of what it was like for these guys before the big book was developed. And it just shows, it's just an incredible thing that we can see so clearly how how different things were because this big book was created. It's amazing when you go back to the preface, the very beginning of the preface, and you take a look how it tells you, gives you all the statistics of how they created the big book, the first edition in 1939, that whole first section of the preface 
um, to the entire book. It tells us how they started out with so many books and, and, and how each, each time they had a new edition um, created for this book, how they had more copies and, and to reach the stage where they had 5,000 copies being printed and sold daily. And so when we see these first sentences of three men and how you know, this short time later, they have seven more people, but it's so different today because we've got this book, this little chip of a book, and what an incredible difference this little book made for them and for our lives. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Sally A. Ronnie P. Uh, excuse me. Thank you so much. Uh, it's Ronnie P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, uh, East Coast. Um, this this paragraph, what it tells me is, you know, they got together to discuss their, you know, p- part of getting together was to discuss their problems. And um, that is so important for me to hear because I think I can fall into this fantasy that um, being abstinent and working the steps means I will never have a bad feeling. I will never be uncertain about life. I will know the next right thing, and everything will feel great. Um, but, you know, even people who don't have addiction never don't feel that way all the time. I mean, it's just, that's just part of the human condition is to feel sometimes restless, irritable, and discontented. My solution was to get into the food, which then blocked me from, you know, the higher power that can help me deal with life. And my idea of a higher power these days is just, you know, a higher, stronger source that is walking with me shoulder to shoulder through life. It's not protecting me from heartache. It's not protecting me from uh, difficult decisions. It It doesn't mean that I won't have that stuff. It just means that I now have tools to just live my life in a dignified and honorable way the way that, you know, hopefully human beings have been attempting to do since the very first man walked on the earth, you know. So <clears throat> the fact that they got together to discuss their problems, that's really helpful for me to hear because, um, you know, the strongest meetings I go to are big book studies, and that's wonderful, and we pull apart everything, and that's really good. And then sometimes I do need a meeting where I can just discuss my problems because that has got to get out and I know I can get them out on the phone with other people, but sometimes just to be able to say it out loud in front of other people and see heads nodding, and um, it just reminds me that um, I'm just one among many, that the problems and the fears and whatever I have have been felt by millions of people before me, and they will be felt by millions of people after me, um, and that if I want to have a life that is happy, joyous, and free in the most grown-up way possible, it doesn't mean that I am fear-free. It doesn't, I think it's more like I'm fear-less, meaning I, fear, I feel less fear. Not no fear, but less fear. <clears throat> and um, hopefully don't act on that. And when I do, I have a 10th step that helps me get back on track. You know? So 10, 11, and 12 are the steps that remind me that just because I'm recovered and I'm abstinent doesn't mean that I'm going to be immune to the human condition. And um, so I, too, look at this and think it took them a year and a half to get bigger. And God bless them. They hung in there with each other, and they knew they had something. And 
Thank God for them. Thank God for them. So uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reba P. Melissa C. Oh, that that was Ronnie P. Hi. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Ronnie. You're right. I had Ronnie down and said Reba. Thank you so much. Sure. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, I'm so happy in my release. Um, you know, I just, uh, I'm so grateful today that, um, you know, that, that there's this meeting and that the, the whole um, idea of getting together and forming meetings um, was, was part of how um, this path was laid out for us um, because that is precisely what I need and what I needed. Um, you know, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. And, you know, I'm thinking about um, when I first came into OA after relapse, returning to OA, um, you know, when I was um, really stuffing myself with food, I, um, I was really well-skilled for a long time in denial. And it was when I could not live in my denial anymore. My problems were overwhelming and overtaking me. It was, um, it was all I could do to stumble into the room. I could barely make eye contact. But there was a place that I could bring my problem. And um, thank God for that, you know. And so I, I did go to um, face-to-face meetings, and I still go to face-to-face meetings because um, I need to see um, the recovery around me, and I need to carry my message of the happy in my release. And then, you know, and then when um, – my problems uh, grew bigger, I guess, than once a week meetings could sustain me or twice a you know, week meetings. Um, there's no shame in this. These people got together, you know, almost every day. Um, and that is what I need. And thank God there's this meeting, this, you know, wonderful way that I can start my morning um, because I need to be um, surrounded in the solution. I, you know... Um, People in my life say, oh, you know, you're going to, oh, you go to another meeting. Um, You know, my mother-in-law was here this weekend, and she was, you know, casually asking me about my meeting and said, you know, she was asking about, um, you know, something about someone who's who's in charge of the meeting. And I laughed and smiled, and and I'm realizing this morning as I'm listening, um, you know, that was like the Weight Watchers model of who's in charge of the meeting. There's the leader of the meeting. You know, here, um, who's who's sort of running our meeting in a sense is our newcomers, you know, because it's um, they're carrying the message for them to them that's, um, you know, sort of guiding where our meetings go. And, um, you know, my problem at first, I thought, was just to lose weight. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's kind of... Uh, put me off initially, you know, that because no one's talking about a food plan and no one's talking about a diet or an exercise regimen. Um, But, you know, we stumble into a meeting and we hear what the real solution is, and that's in a spiritual way of life. Thank you with that. Thank you, Melissa C. Jill T. Good 
Good morning, Jill T. from Pittsburgh. I'm very grateful for this uh, paragraph. I realize how I've been working very hard to be the finished product. <laughs> and this paragraph pulls me back to my the purpose of my face-to-face meetings. I'm very performance-oriented. And I see now where this group of very um, kind of naive, they were brand new to the program, these very open-minded, honest uh, people were coming together in honesty with no shame, and they were not there to perform or outperform anybody. There is no requirement to know the answer to their problem, just bring them, and there's no shame in problems. And all of this has resulted and helped or caused me to feel much more self-acceptance and I think I will be much more uh, relaxed in my future meetings. And I will, I will um, feel, I, I will believe that I have more, I will feel more accepted by others knowing that this is our primary purpose for our meetings. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jill T. And we'll move on in our study now. And I'll ask Martha Z to please read paragraph one on page 160. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Thank you for your steadfast service, and um, good morning, everybody. Outsiders became interested. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Martha C., um, recovered um, compulsive eater. Very grateful. Outsiders became interested. One man and his wife placed their large home at the disposal of this strangely assorted crowd. This couple has since become so fascinated that they've dedicated their home to the work. Many a distracted wife has visited this house to find loving and understanding companionship among women who knew her problem, to hear from the lips of their husbands what had happened to them, to be advised how her own wayward mate might be hospitalized and approached when next he stumbled. And um, I am somebody who loves, I am not a history person, but I love AA history and have read a bunch of the books but I could not for anything remember what the name of this man and his wife were because I didn't have the books. And so I Googled um, AA history, one, one man and his wife. And so what it came out with was this was T. Henry and Clarice Williams from Akron, Ohio. And that Henry was an engineer at the company where Bill W. was waging a proxy battle to gain control of national rubber machinery in May of 1935. So that was right at the point where that didn't go well and he ended up meeting Dr. Bob. So anyway, um, so it talks about how they they placed their home at the disposal of this crowd. And I thought, well, he knew Bill before and he must have been so amazed at the remarkable transformation of him that he decided to do that. And I, I thought of it like no... He didn't. He didn't do this for service because he needed it for his own recovery. They were not alcoholics, and um, they just did it with um, no expectation of any reward. Just freely opened their home, and that. And I thought that it, you know it made it possible. They they made it possible for AA to be and to become, and um, how amazing that was. And then I thought about the wives, and I thought about them going there. They have. They, the husbands and wives would come and and um, 
you know, they would come together and the husbands would have their own meetings and the wives would sit together. And, you know, to hear people ahead of them, wives ahead of them who, you know, where the situation was better and to, to get that hope and to, you know, to, to try to, to understand the disease a little bit better, but to also understand that things could get better for them and the hope of that. And there was just one more thing that I wanted to share. Um, I've been in OA a little over 38 and a half years, and uh, so I had been in OA a year and a half when I got married. So when we got married, we moved we moved northeast of, to this place northeast of Philadelphia, and they were trying to start an O-N-O-N. So my husband has always been really supportive. He goes to this meeting, and he very he they kept trying to get this meeting off the ground. It would not get off the ground, and the guys would come and they would say, "What do I need to do to fix my wife?" And when they heard that it was a program for them, they did not want to stay. And um, anyway, so that was our experience uh, with that. So anyway, thank you so much for letting me share. I'm so grateful to this service. Thank you, Martha Z. And we have time that will allow for probably two people to share. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Mary B. Nadia E. Mary, Mary B. And Nadia E. We'll go with that and see how it goes. Thank you so much. Good morning, Mary B. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. And good morning, everybody. This is Mary B. Recovered uh, compulsive eater in Central California. Very grateful this morning. Um, I am very grateful. I'm grateful to Bill W. and Dr. Bob and people who started Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm grateful for this book. I'm grateful for the people who started this Vision for You line. I'm not sure who they are. I'd like to find out. I probably will one day. Um, But I can't help this morning but feel very grateful for a young woman who in 1960 with her husband attended a Gamblers Anonymous meeting in support of a friend. And while sitting in that meeting and listening to the sharing, she got the idea that what she was hearing just might help with her eating, with her weight problem. And she was young. She had. Uh, she was just a little bit older than me. She had young children and a husband. And yet she turned her whole house over to starting this little program called Overeaters Anonymous. And she described um, turning her. You know how her dining room table was full of letters and contacts and literature and trying to send it out and. She did have help. Uh, people were starting to help her. But she had two little kids. I had three. And I know I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been able to do that in the home that I lived in. And besides, I wasn't a leader. I was a follower. So this morning, while we're reading this, I'm just thinking about Roseanne. And I'm also feeling very grateful for her. And uh, that's what I wanted to share this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Mary B. Nadia E. Good morning, family. It's um, Nadia E. from Toronto, Canada. 
And um, I just wanted to set my timer. I believe it's two minutes, two or three minutes. Anyway, three. Um, okay, thank you. So well, let me see what I wanted to share today. Um, you know, it dawned on me that I haven't seen a particular OA friend at my face-to-face meetings for a very long time. It just, I, I, I thought about her. And um, so I sent her a text message and I told her that I'm still going to face-to-face meetings. Um, I try, I aim for three. And um, I try to keep myself, by doing that, I keep myself sane and healthy and happy and at peace with myself and others. Um, And I also share that I found it very helpful and life-altering tuning into a vision for you on a daily, I try daily. um, And... So I also share that I have received what I've received here in these meetings. Um, Just, you know, reading the big book, which when I first came into program over 20 years ago, I thought, what is this book? Like, you know, how can I relate to an alcoholic? And, you know, throughout the years, I realized that I truly am um, an addict when it comes to food. And... Um, and I can relate, you know, like to these men from 1935. It's incredible. And I'm so grateful to them for starting, you know, the 12 steps. And um, and it truly is a design for living. And it's it's living a life that God intends for me. And with this, I'm, I'm happier. I'm less fearful and more available to others in my life. And, you know, when I think about it, I think, well, am I really being more available to others in my life, would they would they think that? Like, am I actually, I don't know, like, hopefully. <laughs> and, and I still have tons, tons of work to do. And I'm grateful for the willingness to sit down and do a step 10 turnaround, to call somebody and commit that I'm going to do that, and to ask for support um, from my OA buddies, from my higher power, and, like, of course, I'm still, I'm fearful, you know, I wake up and it's, oh, my God, it, it, it grips me, you know, the fear, but, but it, it doesn't have to. I have a choice. I have a choice today. Am I going to sit in the fear, in um, self-pity, in selfishness, dishonesty? Am I going to sit in that crap or am I going to get out, just shake it all off, shake it all off and, and get to work and... Um, And I guess with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much for being there for me. Take care and bye for now. Thank you, Nadia E. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sarah W. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. 
This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.